Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. And welcome to First Bite, our Pride of Detroit midweek podcast, our preview podcast where we look at the upcoming matchup for the Detroit Lions. It's preseason week two. We're going to Pittsburgh here on Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. We're here to talk about it. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, for First Bite is Ryan Matthews, our editor-in-chief, or not editor, senior editor. You you suddenly stolen my job. <laughs> I got a promotion, folks, and you are all here to witness it. Uh, I'd like to thank all the little people. No, um, two big, big things ahead for the Detroit Lions. Two big things? Lots of big things. Oh, I thought you said two. Oh, I, said two we- I-, I-, I said week two. Big week things two. ahead for the Detroit Lions. That's right. There is um, a matchup with the Steelers, one that should be uh, certainly interesting, a-, a bit more of a litmus test than than the first week against the Bills because... Mike Tomlin did say last week, and assuming things have not changed, the Steelers will be playing some of their starters. They, it, It's worth noting that they had the Hall of Fame game. They had last week's game. So this is preseason week three for them. And we all know preseason week three in tradition has been that uh, kind of, uh, you know, dress rehearsal. Yeah, dress rehearsal game. And so they're going to treat it that way since they still get the four preseason games while everyone else is getting three. Um, so on this podcast, we're going to preview it. We're going to break it down just like we did last week. We're going to start with the offense and look at things that we're looking for. Not going to talk too much about the Steelers um, because, again, the, the lines aren't game planning. The Steelers actually are game planning a little bit, which should be kind of an interesting um, match here where, where the lines aren't doing so much in the Pittsburgh are. Pittsburgh Steelers are. But um, let's start there on offense. Do you want to go position by position, I guess, and, and just kind of talk about some of the, the key storylines here? Quarterback, we can start there. Um, I think maybe the most interesting or, or kind of up in the air thing is Tim Boyle, um, who who hurt his ankle in, in last week's game. And it did sound uh, like Dan Campbell expected him to be back in there on Saturday, but uh, didn't practice during the uh, during the, the scrimmage on, on Tuesday. And we'll see where he's at on Thursday. Um, what, what are you looking to see from this quarterback group on Saturday? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit on the POD cast, but I'm interested to see whether or not they end up flipping Boyle and Blau. Yeah. And if Blau gets some run with uh, he if he gets some run with the twos, I think that that would be a, a good look for him. Um, maybe not something he's he's probably uh, super stoked about with the way that that offensive line protected or <laughs> not protected Tim Boyle in, in week sure. two, but or in week one, I should say. Um, but here's the thing with Boyle. I, I thought that his performance was really gutsy. Um, he, you know, 
you know, you played through that ankle injury. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him out on the field again uh, for, for the second preseason game. And even if they don't switch it up, even if Tim Boyle is still number two and David Blau is number three, I still don't think that that really provides any clarity to me. I don't think that that'll be like a definitive, okay, Boyle's two, Blau is three. What do you, what do you think about that? Do you think that it, it depends on how they play in terms of, or I guess when they play? Yeah, I mean, I, I still very much think that position is up for grabs in quarterback, too. And I think a lot of people are just assuming Boyle's in and I'm, I'm not there yet. Um, and and I'm, I'm still of the camp that this team is going to keep three quarterbacks. So maybe the designation isn't all that important until, you know, something happens to to Jared Goff. But um, yeah, I, I, I at this point, especially with the injury, I think I expect David Blau to be QB2 in this game. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I just given the way that they've they've change things week in week out or day in day out really at training camp i think it makes sense to switch him and and give dave blau a chance to go up some against a you know what what is notoriously a pretty good steelers defense and and go against some of the better plays instead of the the ones that are playing in the third and fourth quarter um the other news there is is jordan Tiamu. um the Lions signed him this week i don't think we're gonna see him on on saturday i'd be a little bit surprised if we saw him on saturday so let let's talk about golf really quick because i thought he had a a decent debut um in, in preseason game one so is there anything more you need to see out of him or is it just kind of more the same like keep keep doing well yeah well i remember last week when we talked about you know what i was what i was not interested in seeing but like chomping at the bit to see and what you were you know chomping at the bit to see in, in week one of the preseason I was really gung ho and I was ready to see Jared Goff take some shots downfield. Didn't really see a ton of that. Maybe saw, you know, two of those plays to Tyro Williams, one of them where he connected on the sideline um, for a for a pretty big gain. And then yeah. also the, the shot he took to the end zone. Maybe it's just not who Jared Goff is going to be. So maybe maybe just kind of relinquish those dreams of, <laughs> of utilizing that speed on the outside. Um, but for Goff. I, I think largely what I was impressed with or what I came away from preseason game one with was that Goff is going to play within himself and he's going to make the throws that he can make. And, you know, he's outside of that first pass that he threw, Jeremy. I wasn't too worried about any throw that he made. Um, yeah. The the pass that he made to Darren Fells where he fit that in a nice tight window. That was something that maybe, you know, I wasn't too familiar with with Jared Goff. So that was a, that was a bit, um, it was a bit surprising, but it was also a bit reassuring. It's like, okay, well, I mean, we, we've made much ado about this guy's arm strength, but I mean, he can make throws like that and that's an NFL throw. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Goff play against, as you mentioned, a Steelers defense that's usually talked up quite a bit. So, um, is there anything specific you're looking for from Goff in, in the second game? I'm I'm gonna keep it real simple. I I want a first string offense touchdown. Okay, that's it. That's fair. Like I, I I need to see this team capable of putting a full drive together. You know, a lot of times in training camp, we've seen them. You know, been able to move down the field a little bit between the twenties, but then red zone has been kind of an issue as of late. And I mean, it's understandable they don't have Swift, they don't have T.J. Hawkinson. I don't expect either of those guys to play on Saturday. So, um, but. Injuries happen, and so Goff is going to have to find someone to be that red zone threat. Um, 
you know, in, in, in case those guys are, are missing in the regular season. So whether it's Amon Ra or maybe it's Darren Fells or, or maybe Tyrell Williams uses his length, um, I, I want to see something happen there and someone uh, reliable there. And so, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if it happens. Like we said, good Steelers defense. But um, let's move to running backs because uh, the running backs were kind of the story of the offense last game with a, a couple no-names just stepping right in and, and making a, a big impression. What are you looking for from the running backs group on Saturday? Well, I, I thought you were going to say for two reasons, right? Like the running backs were uh, a big yeah. story because, <laughs> because uh, well, ostensibly running back two and running back three with no DeAndre Swift didn't really generate a whole lot of yards on the ground between between Williams and uh, Jamar. And, and Jamar. So yeah. I'm, you know, I, I want to see, I, I guess it coincides or it goes hand in hand with the offensive line too, because we'd be remiss without saying that, you know, there is a PFF stat and it was something that was very apparent from just watching the game, you know, not a whole lot of running room for those running backs to hit holes and things like that. As you know, uh, Jamal Williams was hit at the line seven out of nine carries. So I, I want to see that. I want to see that first team offensive line create a little bit more running room for, for Williams Um, in this game. I I think that'll be, Really encouraging to see uh, as that offensive line continues to gel. I and and you know Jamar Jefferson has to have some more production. He he needs to he needs to pop on on tape a little bit more than than he did in, in week one. And I'm not saying that he's at risk of not having uh, a spot on this team at all by any means because I'm not going to overreact to just one game in in the preseason. But like you said, Jeremy, it's it's kind of hard to not be impressed or, or come away impressed from that first game that Craig Reynolds has. And even Dedrick Mills, somebody who, you know, by for all intents and purposes, wasn't doing a whole lot to impress uh, in, in training camp. So what yeah. are uh, what, what are your expectations from 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 this group in, in this game? I mean, I, I, I think a lot is on the line for everyone. I mean, you mentioned it like Dedrick Mills and, and, and Craig Reynolds, they, they both had really good days and it's not like they had considerably better blocking like they made they made the yardage for themselves and so i mean you're that's that's how you make it in the nfl as a running back you i mean it's great to have good blocking and if if you have a really good offensive line sometimes it doesn't matter who you throw back in there but there are going to be times in which the blocking isn't there whether it's the offensive line or tight ends or wide receiver screwing it up you're gonna have to create yards of their own so yeah i'm with you i want to see some yards created on his own by jamar jefferson i want to see Maybe a little bit out of Jamal Williams, too. Like like you said, I don't think either of those guys are necessarily in trouble in terms of their roster spot, but um, I need to see something out of those guys. Um, I, I, I need they've, they've been kind of quiet since Swift has been been out and Swift is almost certainly going to be out in this game. So give me some optimism. I'm, I'm, it's not life or death for these guys. And, you know, if, if we have another slow game in the running game, I'm not going to consider it dead on arrival. But I need to see something there. And I don't I don't really know what to expect, but. It, it's a tough Steelers team, and so um, it, every every inch is going to be earned, and so I need to see some of these guys earn it. Yeah, and, and I think what's important to note, too, is that we've really keyed in on this running game being an important part of the success to this Lions offense, right? Like, yeah. it's going to be absolutely critical in order for them to be successful through the air um, for them to put together a, you know, a, a really rock-solid running game. And if they come away you know, throughout this entire preseason without showing that it's going to be, it's going to be tough sledding in, yeah. uh, in 2021. And, and honestly, like 
that's the whole reason I'm kind of holding off on my overall judgment of the offense and training camp. I mean, it hasn't been great. I, I think you can ask anyone who's been there every day and they, they probably came away thinking worse of the offense than they did going in. But if they have a good running game, which is something really hard to judge during training camp when there's no live tackling, it can change a lot. It can it can make this team an average to a good or, you know, a bad to average or good to great. And so I'm, I'm still kind of waiting to see how it all comes together. And, and the fact of the matter is we have to see it come together at least a little bit in the preseason for me to have any sort of confidence that it will in the regular season. Yeah. And, and I think to that point, too, when we when we look at the tight ends and we look at their depth watching game one, it was pretty it was pretty apparent that. While the Lions weren't doing a whole lot with, you know, from tackle to tackle in terms of, you know, providing rushing lanes and things like that for running backs, like the tight ends weren't really holding up their end of the bargain either when it came to blocking. So, I, I like you said, TJ Hawkinson probably not going to show up in, in preseason game two. So you got Darren Fells there as the de facto number one. And behind that, it's it's going to it's going to be shaken up, right? I mean, we have Alizé Mack, who did not have a did not have a great showing in in week one, so he's really got to bounce back in a big way. Are and I mean the injury to Charlie T. I mean that can't go without saying either. So I mean, yep. what what's going to happen in preseason game two? Because the tight end discussion <laughs> is something that we have we've talked about to death yeah. in terms of having no depth beyond Darren Fells and tight end three. We all agree is going to be a very important position on this on this team. I mean, this is a huge opportunity for both Alizé Mack and, and Hunter Thedford because I don't know if, if you saw, but Brock Wright wasn't at practice on Tuesday. He oh, was wow. injured. Okay. So the Lions are down to three healthy tight ends right now. Uh, and that's, that's, I mean, as if the position wasn't concerning enough right now, um, having that happen to Charlie T and having Brock Wright go out means, I mean, it's, it's Alizé Mack, it's Hunter Thedford, or it's someone they have to pick up off of waivers. And I'm starting to think maybe that's, that's where this is headed because there just isn't anyone that, that that's shown anything and getting playing time will help. And so if Alizé Mack can show something, if Hunter Thedford can, can show some, just blocking, like just someone block out there, just throw a block in the run game, spring one run. And I'll start to feel a little bit better about this position. But at this point, no one has won that position. No one has even taken a step towards winning that position, which I think is a big concern. And and so I think it's Alizé Mack right now, only because he's repping there. But like you said, it wasn't a very good first preseason game for him. It has been a great camp for him. So they need to find something. And, and Saturday, they'll, they'll get the reps. So hopefully they find something there. So I, I think what you said was really interesting in terms of where the Lions might have to look for their tight end depth. And it might be outside of this roster right now. Yeah. Would you be at all shocked? Because when you take a look at what the Lions have in draft capital for 2022, they have a couple of seventh round picks. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to have a couple of fifth round and sixth round picks. Would you be shocked if the Lions maybe even made a deal using one of those lower picks because tight end three is such an important position? I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. I mean, you, you might you might not be getting, you know, weekly snaps out of that guy, but. I mean, if either one of those guys goes down, they're, they're two really, really talented players, and you're going to need someone to at least give you replacement-level play um, because they are so integral to, to everything Lions do. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, sixth, seventh-round pick. You hate throwing away draft capital, period, but I don't know, throwing away a... I mean, when, when you're talking about these sort of deals, they're usually sevenths, and sometimes they're even conditional sevenths, so uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's no sweat off my back. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, uh, wide, wide receiver, uh, wide receivers. Oh. Let's 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 not skip the wide receivers um, because they're big men, though. The the one interesting thing about the wide receivers is that they're finally all healthy. Um, basically, mm-hmm. everyone is contributing. Damian Ratley was the one that I didn't see participate in in team drills, but everyone else is healthy, which means um, our first chance to see Brashad Perriman, first chance to see Quintus Cephas this year. Um, are, are those the guys that, that you're circling in on, or is there something else you're looking for from this unit as a whole? I, I think. We, I think we as a collective have, you know, written off Geronimo Allison. We've written off um, maybe Damian Ratley. I, Tom Kennedy had a really big week one, but yeah. I mean, you'd have to see some, you'd have to see some, you know, big play in weeks two and weeks three combined with the guys you just mentioned, like Quintez Cephas and Brashad Perryman, like kind of like no show. So, um, in, in order for Kennedy to have a, a legitimate spot of getting on the roster, Bolden is somebody who really can benefit from putting some good tape in, in week two after having a really rough week one. But I think, I think it is encouraging that at least the wide receiver room is getting healthy in the preseason where the lions can see what they have. Yeah. And, you know, um, there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about. Like you said, at, at, for the offense as a whole, during training camp, it's been not so great. It's been it's been murky, muddy waters for them. So I'm interested in seeing what Brashad Perryman can bring to the table if he is healthy. And that's something that he's just struggled with his entire career. So sure. it's one of those things where even if he has a big game, it's not going to do a whole lot to to reassure me or um, to kind of bring me down in terms of my anxiety level when it comes to this offense. Um, I, obviously every, I think all of our eyes are going to be glued to Amon Ross St. Brown. We want to see what we want to see what he can do in week two after having a really impressive week one, Tyrell Williams made some big catches, but I think what really, it, it comes back to your original point about the offense as a whole, like you want to see them go score a touchdown. I don't know if necessarily they're going to get it done on the ground. I want to see Jared Goff throw for a touchdown. I want I want to see him <laughs> utilize one of these wide receivers and I, I don't care if it's in the red zone. I don't care if it's a, a yak play, whatever it is. I want to see one of these wide receivers just break out and, and say like, hey, if I'm Tyrell Williams, I'm the number one wide receiver. If I'm on Ross St. Brown, I'm the slot receiver. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Quintez Cephas, if he wants to have a role in this team, go out and make a big play and solidify your spot as the number two, you know, outside wide receiver. I'm I'm circling two guys out of this group. One one okay. is is Perriman. Uh, I, I'm curious as to where his standing is on the team right now, because he entered camp as the obvious number two opposite opposite Tyrell Williams. Right now, he's repping with the second team offense behind Khalif Raymond, who, who has kind of assumed that wide receiver two role. I don't know if that's just easing easing Perriman in from the injury or if that's you lost your spot because you weren't making plays and then you were injured. And so I need to see something out of him. Um, and I listen, I, I think it's a little bit early to talk about him potentially being on the roster bubble, but I'm, I'm not I'm not ruling it out completely because he just has not shown much at all. And so I think he needs to take this opportunity, especially if he's repping with twos and repping against the Steelers twos. That means he should be dominating those guys. I need to see something there. The other guy, you kind of brushed mm-hmm. him off, but I'm, I'm not ready to brush him off. I think Tom Kennedy's got a shot to make this team. He's been making plays all camp, and yes, that's usually with the second and third, but I think Victor Bolden and, and his struggles have has opened up a window for maybe that sixth spot on the wide receiver depth chart. And one interesting fact that, that I've noticed in camp last week is that 
Tom Kennedy is repping ahead of, of Victor Bolden when it comes to punt return and kick returns. And that can't be a good sign for Victor Bolden. And that has to be considered a good sign for Tom Kennedy. And so I think there's a chance Tom Kennedy sneaks onto this roster and another good performance on Saturday would, would kind of be another big step towards there. No, that's absolutely one way that you can make yourself useful and indisposable. The the one thing that I think could happen, I'm not I'm not going to say that it it will happen, but I think there's an outside chance or an outside shot that Brashad Perryman might not make the team. I mean, yeah, his, it, that's his what con- I'm saying. Yeah. Well, well. So that's the thing, though, Jeremy, is that we, so Perryman gets signed. There's obviously yeah. this mass exodus of the wide receiver room. No Kenny Galladay. No Marvin Jones. No Danny Amendola. Jamal Agnew. They're all gone. And then Tyra Williams comes in and Brashad Perryman come in and it's almost like a foregone conclusion. Like, okay, Perryman's the number two and Tyra Williams is the number one. I I mean, Brashad Perryman signed a one year, $3 million contract with 2 million of it guaranteed. I don't think that's anything that's going to guarantee you a spot on the roster. If one of these guys outperforms you. Yeah. I mean, it's not an ideal contract to absorb, you know, just eating 2 million of of a $3 million contract, but this team's in a position where they can do something like that, right? Like if, if they, they find a younger yeah. player that has more potential, like, yeah, have them take over Perriman's spot. Like I said, I don't think, I don't, don't think it's come to that yet, but I, I think, I think it needs to remain a possibility that the Perriman do, just doesn't work out here and, and gets a cut before September. Yeah. Yeah. Offensive line. Let's do it. All right. Uh, let's talk about it. So in terms of injuries, again, this this is a unit that's starting to look healthy again. The only guy who's out is Tyrell Crosby. Don't expect him to play. Um, I, I guess with the first string offense, uh, I mean, I, I look back at that performance, and I think you did too as well, and you look back and you're like, it, it, I know that, you know, I know got sacked on the first drive. I know the running game didn't get over two yards of carry. But it didn't really seem like the offensive line performed that poorly, right? I don't think so. I mean, in, in the report card, I gave him a C and I know that your initial reaction was like, that might be a little high. But I even think after you went back yeah. to your Panay Sewell deep watch, I mean, are you kind of at the same conclusion? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe we were we were victims of expectation, I think. Yeah, sure. But I, I mean, I guess. OK, so let's let's move forward to this game. Obviously, mm-hmm. The Steelers have a, a pretty good defensive front there, so it's going to be a big test for a lot of these guys, assuming some of those major players play. Um, are, is, there, is there a goal you have set in mind? Is it, is it no sacks allowed? Is it, I mean, we talked about the running game a little bit. Do they, do they need to hit a benchmark yards per carry, or is it just kind of like, let's just see how it overall comes together and, and make sure like everything does seem to be coming together at, at, at the speed we want it to? You would hope that there would be a little bit more production on the ground when it comes to the run game. Yeah. Like any, any, but here's, here's the thing. It's such a low bar to clear, right? I mean, last, <laughs> last week really set the bar low. So you would hope that they would at least clear it. If they don't clear it, then I think that there's a little bit of cause for concern when it comes to pass protection. I thought the Alliance did a really good job in pass protection with that first team offensive line. They're really going to get tested this week though. I yeah. mean, if, if, if Pittsburgh has a lot of their starters playing, you're talking about TJ Watt, who, if he's not the best pass rusher in the NFL, he's the second best pass rusher in the NFL. You got Cameron Hayward on that line. Uh, they signed Melvin Ingram, uh, uh, you know, a, a name that a lot of Lions fans were, were enamored with. But 
you know, I they have the juice when it comes to pass rushing. I want to see Jared Goff upright. I want to see no sacks. I want to see that guy clean in the pocket, making throws, stepping up, making throws. So that that's where I'm at in terms of expectation with the line. You gotta you gotta you gotta do better for the running backs, and you gotta keep Jared Goff clean because that's the only way this offense is gonna work. If Jared Goff is under duress, it's gonna be tough sledding. It'll be ugly. Yeah. Um, really the only thing I'm, I'm looking at with the offensive line is, is that right side, because I think there's still a lot of concern around Halapuli Vati Vaitai at right guard. And then Panay is obviously just someone you, 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 you want to keep a close eye on. Guy's not going to be perfect. He's going to have some bumps in the road like he did in, in game one. But as long as he continues to get better and, and, you know, rebound from those mistakes, right? Like I think with a rookie, sometimes when you make a mistake, your your concern is that they snowball into something else. Well, I think last week was a good example of maybe that, that Panay is probably not that guy because I thought his second drive was was fantastic. So um, as long as, you know, we aren't seeing the same mistakes, um, it's OK to see some mistakes, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know what? For the, the first week of the preseason, when Panay Sewell, you know, quote unquote, gave up that that sack um, in, in his first start, it reminded me of Taylor Decker's first game <laughs> when James Harrison yeah. Blew right by him yep. for a sack. And I think Taylor Decker is doing pretty well for himself these days. So, All right, that's it for the offense. When we come back, we're going to talk about that defense. I know there's one guy that everyone is very excited to see make his NFL debut. We'll talk about him and a lot more when we come back here on First Bite. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we are back on First Bite, previewing the Lions preseason game two against the Steelers coming up this Saturday night. 
going to the defense after we talked to a bunch about the offense up front. Uh, I don't want to waste any time here, Ryan. I think everyone's eyes are on the same person when it comes to preseason game two, and that is Levi Onzerike, who returned to practice on Tuesday in a big way. First time with the pads on, seemed like he hit the ground running back injury, not an issue at all. So it seems like he's on track to play on Saturday. We don't really know how much he's going to play. The Lions might want to ease him in there, but he certainly doesn't sound like he wants to be eased in there. And they didn't really ease him in on, on Tuesday's practice. He was in there a lot. So how on a level one to 10, how excited are you to see Levi out there? And, and what are your expectations in his first game? Uh, before he returned to practice and I read all of the I mean, just ranting and raving that the Lions beat did about Levi's, you know, ostensibly his like training camp padded debut. Um, it was at like a seven. Now it's at a nine. I want to see this guy out on the field. And it kind of just brings me back to watching tape of him after the Lions had drafted him. You know, we we had a um, we had a quote unquote first bite where we got to talk to somebody from Washington you know, who had nothing but awesome things to say about Levi as, you know, a football player, as, you know, as a person and stuff who, who you know, he's clearly a football player um, who happens to just have a ton of athleticism. And I want to see what he can do with that athleticism along the interior. And, you know, seeing him potentially playing next to Lee McNeil and going against, you know, the, the Steelers first team offensive line. That's that's what I want to see that that's, you know, I, I wasn't going to say that it was the thing that I'm most excited about, but I'm kind of pumping myself up about it right now. Yeah, I am, too. And and I think there there's so many reasons I'm excited for him. Um, and I think the biggest is just the confidence that exudes out of this guy. It's it's almost like I'm on Ross St. Brown on the defense, because I mean, we saw it with his opening press conference, right? Like the he wants to fuck shit up like that he still has that attitude. I think I think maybe people have forgotten about it. I had kind of forgotten about it until he met with the media yesterday. And just like, I don't know, some, someone asked him, like, you know, you missed all this time. Are you doing mental reps on the side? How long is it going to take you to kind of like get back into football shape? He's like, oh, I'm there. One practice and I'm good. And then someone asked, then someone asked him, OK, well, uh, you know, regular seasons, three, four weeks away. How how much do you think you need before you're going to be comfortable to, to start in, you know, in a regular season game? I don't know, two or three more practices. That's it. That's it. He just needs a week. That's all he needs to get ready. And I mean, the dude is chomping at the bit. He's a guy that also opted out. So I, I, I think there's just a lot of eagerness and anticipation on, on his side. And, and the fact that he just came out like a cannon yesterday. I'm 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 10 out of 10 completely. I am. I am. You know, six, six to midnight, dude, I. <laughs> I was just about to say that I'm right there with you, but I probably shouldn't <laughs> say that now. Um, the thing that was uh, the thing that I like to hear the most about Levi was that the Lions were being really, you know, they were being precautionary with yeah. with his, his back. And that totally makes sense, given all of Levi's comments, because this is a guy who's probably been ready to go chomping at the bit, ready to get on that line. And like you said, his words, not ours, but fuck shit up. That's a guy who just is ready to be out there and uh, good thing, you know, good on the Lions for for taking it slow with him. And and, you know, but that that takes me to the rest of the defensive line, which I think that there's a lot of depth here. And I yeah. think that there are some things to sort out um, on this defensive line, because there are some guys who are just playing really well. I mean, Kevin Strong is making every every possible um you know, he's making every possible play 
to show you that he belongs on this team. And even a guy like Bruce Hector, who the Lions signed, yeah. you know, n- you right know, a couple weeks camp. ago. Yeah. yeah. And while it seemed like, okay, here's just another run stuffing, uh, you know, camp body. This is a guy who played his tail off in preseason week one. This is a guy who, you know, Chris Burke from the athletic is raving about, you know, in his, uh, in his five things that he always notices from practice. I'm really encouraged by the, all the depth that the lions have on this defensive line. I'm really intrigued to see how it all shakes out. Yeah. I mean, there, there's going to be some tough decisions that the lines have to make. And, and it's not helping that all the starters are, you know, continuing to miss time. I don't know if we'll see Michael Brockers in this game. They seem to be very, very cautious with him. Obviously Nick Williams still on COVID, um, you know, Deshaun hand dealing with the injury that he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bruce Hector's playing well. Kevin Strong's playing well. I even think Deshaun Cornell has shown things at time and the decision for him is going to be easy because he's going to start the season on, on the suspended list. But once he comes back, like there is a case to be made that he should stick around. And so it's a really interesting group of interior defenders that um, I, I think if there's if there's any position on this team that might have someone, you know, swiped up on waivers once the lines have to release a guy or two. It, it's probably the this group uh, that, that the Lions are going to miss out on a guy. So now, Jeremy, I think we can turn our attention to the linebackers and even we'll, we'll lump in the edge rushers with uh, with this group as well, um, just because of, you know, how this base defense is going to look like and things like that. So look, I, I guess we should probably jump to to the edge because that was maybe the, the talk of preseason week one was the performance of Julian Aquara as a pass rusher. Is there is there something that he needs to do in the run game that's going to make you say, all right, this guy can, this guy can play and get significant playing time on this defense. Um, or, or is it, is that something that he just kind of needs to do along the way this regular season? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I don't think it's something that I'm just going to expect to be fixed this week. You know, it, it's yeah. not something that he's just gonna be like, Oh, now we can set the edge perfectly. No, uh, it's something that's going to have to develop because this is essentially his rookie rookie season. It, it, at least it feels that way, especially in a new system. So, I mean, I, I, I kind of just want to see more of the same because my expectations for him in this year is really predominantly as a pass rusher. And sure, if you're going to make it in this league long-term, you're going to have to de- develop a lot more than just being able to pass rush. But like we said on, on some other podcasts, I think his role this year is really just going to kind of predominantly be that pass rusher role that comes in on third downs. You know, if an injury happens, maybe maybe he'll have, he'll be relied on to do some more of that sort of stuff. But I, I think I would rather see him improve a little bit of, upon, you know, some, some dropping into coverage skills. And he might only get an opportunity or two to do it on, on Saturday's game. But since he's going to be in there for third downs, they're going to use him for a lot of pass rush. But then they're also probably going to drop in into coverage a couple times to, to try to, you know, confuse offenses. So um, that that's one thing that I'd like to see out of Julian O'Quarr in, in, in week two here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think this maybe goes right hand in hand with what your expectations are for O'Quarr going into the season as probably being a situational pass rusher. But you look at a guy like Charles Harris, who didn't mm-hmm. play in preseason week one, and many had pegged him as that, you know, quote unquote, situational pass rusher. Should he stay on the team? Like you mentioned on the podcast, Jeremy, not playing in a preseason game can be one of two things. Either the coaching staff is real comfortable with you and they're giving you kind of that veteran time off or things are trending in the other direction and the coaching staff wants to see what the other guys can do. If that's the case for Charles Harris. Oh, man, Julian O'Quarr had a really good game. <laughs> I don't know how comfortable I'm feeling if I'm if I'm Charles Harris necessarily, but 
And then the guy on the other side, you know, Austin Bryant, this is a guy who, you know, it seems like he's just perpetually on the pup and it seemed, you know, he was doomed to be stuck in a similar situation at the beginning of camp. He's, he, you know, came off pup practice and training camp preseason week one. He had a really, really stellar game, like rock solid, like to the point where it's like, all right, if this guy can stay healthy, this is what he can do because he's stuck around for this long for a reason. Um, you know, through two coaching staffs now. So I don't know, like, do you, do you start to get really concerned if Charles Harris doesn't play here in, in preseason week two? And then also, how are you feeling about Austin Bryan's chances to make the roster? I mean, those are two great questions because I'm not, I'm not really sure about Austin or about Charles Harris at this point, because part of me thinks like, okay, they really wanted to get a long look at Julian Aquara last week. And I think that probably came at the expense of Charles Harris. And to me, maybe that that just speaks to them being more sure of what they know about Charles Harris. We don't know if that's a positive thing or a negative thing yet. Um, but now that Julian Aquara has his feet wet, I would expect Charles Harris to play. And if he doesn't, then I think that's a big red flag. Um, as for Austin Bryant, he's making it hard for me. I, I've been trying to like keep a 53, a floating 53 man roster prediction in the background for a while. And it's been between Austin Bryant and Charles Harris. And lately I've been dabbling with the idea of keeping them both, keeping five edge rushers because Austin Bryant, Austin Bryant is making it really hard for, for me yeah. to be like, eh, he's injured. Get rid of him. Like this is his first full off season where he's been able to train and it, it shows already. And so if he can continue that in the preseason, then I'm, I'm going to start thinking about keeping five unless Charles Harris is on his way out, which also wouldn't surprise me. The The only mitigating factor there is that he's got a 1.75 million fully guaranteed contract. So another kind of big uh, bullet for them to, to eat if they if they decide to move on from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're talking about some of these defensive linemen. Bruce Hector, the second best PFF grade in, in week one. Austin Bryant, the third best PFF grade. Kevin Strong, the, the fourth best PFF grade among all defenders. Um, as we move to linebackers, though, let's talk about the guy who had the number one PFF grade first, because that's Derek Barnes, man. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people are getting really excited over eight snaps. I think that they have every right to be because the Lions haven't had a linebacker <laughs> who has who, who's had this kind of athleticism since. DeAndre Levy, yeah. I mean, like it, it's been some time uh, ever, ever since, you know, ever, ever since Patricia came to town and, and brought those hulking linebackers with him. It's been a, it's, you know, it, it's, it's been something that the Lions have been severely lacking in. And uh, I was, I was relieved when I was watching Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears play and they cut to Christian Jones on defense. And I'm like, OK, good. He's elsewhere um, in the linebackers. I think the two biggest things that we're watching are obviously one Derek Barnes two. Jelani to buy. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this week a make or break week for Jelani to Can he, can he, can he withstand two bad games in a row? That's a great question. Uh, I, I think the answer might be no. Um, the coaching staff still seems to really love him and really support him. And Tavai is working his ass off to, to get to where he needs to be. I still maintain that some of the mistakes that we saw in week one were, were not, characteristic of what we've seen from him not the kind of like the sideline to sideline speed that was the main concern for him um in the past two years and that's not the issue i mean let, let's be honest too like i think a lot of people's assessment of Tavai's play was based on two things the touchdown he gave up and his pff grade both of which were unexcusable but 
when you break down the the actual mistakes he made, like I didn't see that much that that I don't know that I don't think he could clean up. So I I I, I could see a potential bounce back game from I I'm rooting for the guy. I know a lot of people just want him off the team, and I understand that. Like his second round pick that hasn't you know bore any fruit in, in two and a half years or whatever, but it's a huge game for him, no doubt. And and. Listen, he he was put into a tough position having to learn a new defense and, and lose 20, 30 pounds and, and just figuring out how, how it all works. But it, it's also something similar to what he was running in college. So the lines can wait on him to, to you know, grasp everything that's new and and figure out how to move sideline to sideline with a with a new body type. But so, yeah, I, th- I think I think Saturday is huge for him. And then Derek Barnes, I, I hope they give him a little more play time this this game. I'm not ready to, you know crown him as as the next you know middle linebacker of this team for the next 10 years or anything like that but yeah definitely building up on a a pretty solid first game so let's see a little more nate snaps and see what he can do yeah i think the one other storyline real quick of the linebackers is obviously sean Dion hamilton um you know injured not gonna be um not gonna be out there for week two and that opens up the opportunity for for some other guys right i mean obviously Derek barnes was somebody who roster lock Okay. Yep. Um, Jamie Collins, Alex Anzalone. But beyond that, I mean, we just talked about Jelani Tavai. This is a guy who's on the bubble. You know, yep. now we're looking at guys like Devontae Beckett, Jalen Reeves Maven, who, you know, we feel a little bit more comfortable with with putting him on the roster because of what he brings in terms of his, his special teams ability. But I mean, the, the Sean Dion Hamilton news is, is kind of maybe the biggest news about the Lions in terms of their personnel outside of Don Muleback. And we'll, we'll talk about that on the podcast. I, I think I think you mentioned Devontae Beckett. Anthony Pittman is another guy that can yep. can really jump on that opportunity. And so, yeah, I think when you jump into the second half, if you're still watching the Lions preseason game in the second half, those are two guys that I think you need to be watching. Yeah. Wayne State, homegrown Anthony Pittman. Joy Bell. Uh, <laughs> let's go to corners, because I think we, we mentioned this on a couple of podcasts, how disappointed we were that we, that we didn't get to see what Jeff Okuda looks like, what Amani Oruare looks like. Uh, against a first-team offense, against a, a, a team that's actually willing to pass the ball since Mitch Trubisky threw it to- two times before leaving the game. Like we mentioned at the top, it does look like Ben Roethlisberger is going to play in this game, so hopefully something happens there. Obviously, Chase Claypool probably not going to play, but what what are you hoping to see? Just Are, are you just you just want to sit back and see what happens, or is there is there something that, that, that you really need to see on Saturday? Yeah, the... <sighs> I, I know how we keep on going like level by level and it's like, oh, no, this is something to watch. This is something to watch. I think with the cornerbacks coinciding with what you just mentioned, they weren't really tested in in week one because uh, you throw out your LOLs because of Trubisky and also Davis Webb because he looked like he wanted to run more than he wanted to pass. And honestly, that that worked pretty well. So um, I, I think you want to see the corners tested. They were tested differently in week one than I hope they're tested in week two. I thought they did a pretty good job in terms of, in terms of their contributions and run defense. I think a lot of them were pretty sure tacklers. I think that they, you know, supported well in the run and they kind of went unnoticed because they went untested. And I want to see, you know, if Chase Claypool doesn't, uh, doesn't play because he did suffer that injury uh, in, in camp this week, you know, there's Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, there's Deontay Johnson. There are other guys who are legitimate NFL wide receivers uh, that are going to be lined up, you know, opposite of Okuda, opposite of Oruarie. Um, 
I think Mike Ford is just he's he's it at slot. I I think that I would even probably put him ahead of Nikel Roby Coleman um, at this point. And you know what to make of Cornelder and his situation. You know what to make of what we do with some of the outside corners. I I think the most pressing issue is is probably figuring out like who's the first man up outside. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, yes, absolutely. Like, is it Mike Ford? You know, they're they're giving him more opportunities. The release of Quentin Dunbar really, really caused a seismic kind of shift in the depth there, because now now you it, it knocked people out of position. Yeah. Bobby Price game's over. Bobby Price. Yeah. A guy who's getting a lot of play on special teams. So it's clear the Lions value a guy like that. But he, he you know, he gave up the quote unquote game winning pass on, on last Friday. He, he looked like a guy to be picked on during the scrimmage on Tuesday. He's really going through it right now. And of course he should be like, he just transitioned to cornerback last week, last week is in a brand new position. Nothing like safety. Uh, he's got the athletic traits, but he's going to be extremely raw. And yeah, like who is that corner three? Are they, are they giving it to Ifatu Malafanu right away? Because he's, he's oh. progressed. He's gotten better through camp, but I don't know if he's there yet. Like that's a big risk. And suddenly you're starting Jeff Okuda in year two, Amani Oruarie in year three, and if Atu Malafanu is year three, in year one, like, this is an extreme, like, you are putting a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of faith in Aubrey Pleasant and Aaron Glenn there. Yeah, Scary. A, a ton, a ton, which is why I initially saw the Nikel Roby Coleman transaction as, okay, I get it, like, Ford is going to be that first guy they call upon. And yeah. he can kind of move outside, and maybe, you know, Roby Coleman moves to the Nikel Roby Coleman had a really bad pass interference penalty against him in, in preseason game week one. Um, not to say that that's going to completely define who he is, but I think with all of the comments we've heard out of camp, I think like the nickel job is Mike Ford's to lose at this point. Um, I, I don't necessarily see a way that Nikel Roby Coleman is going to like outplay him in a couple weeks. It's it's hard to say if they need Mike Ford to be the outside guy, maybe they just want to focus on, on, him repping there and, and give the job to, to Roby Coleman. That I think that's definitely something to, to continue to keep an eye on too, because Cornelder has missed now like two, three weeks of camp and it's starting to look like he's not going to be an answer there, which means it, it, it's, it's Mike Ford and it's Ro, Roby Coleman. It's just not sure what the order is there. And, and with the more complications on the outside as well, it's just that cornerback group needs some, needs to show something in a hurry. And, and we're, and like I said, like we're not even talking about the top two guys who haven't proven anything in this league yet either. So it's a, it's, it's a position with a lot of potential, but not a lot of proof behind the pudding yet. And so, you know, these preseason games are a nice kind of piece of the puzzle for us. If there's one thing I want to see this game, it's, I want to see the Steelers pass the ball 30 plus times in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want do. I want to see them go empty backfield. Um, the last line of defense safety, not a great showing for Tracy Walker in week one. No, uh, limited, but, but not bit. limited, yeah. but you know, not, I mean, I think that he's one player that a lot of people are expecting to have a huge bounce back season. So yeah, let's see what he does in week two. Right. Uh, Will Harris kind of, I've seen some progress in camp. I'd like to yeah. see it in a game situation. For sure. Um, I, obviously, when you look at those two guys, though, it's a matter of, you know, getting snaps and, you know, yeah. actually yep. actually seeing more playing time, because that's another thing we didn't even talk about, Jamie Collins and Alex Anzalone, but we got 11 snaps out of them, right, right. Uh, in preseason week one. So when you talk about the safeties, 
I think the one, the one safety that I was probably most impressed with was, was Dean Marlowe, who mm-hmm. I know we, we've, we've kind of uh, put some expectations on him to be, you know, that third safety. And I know the Lions often go with that, like split safety um, look on, on defense, or that's what they're planning on doing. So I, I was really impressed with Dean Marlowe. Do you think that there's a chance that he becomes the number two guy? It would have, I mean, it would have to come out of nowhere because I, I do think this this team really likes the the way Will Harris is playing, and he's basically been getting every single first team rep since the beginning of camp. Um, I'm actually not that interested in the safety group right now because I kind of feel like it's set. Like I feel like it's Tracy Walker, Will Harris, Dean Marlowe, C.J. Moore. Those are your four guys that they're probably going to keep, probably in that order. And I mean, it, it's interesting because again, Tracy Walker and Will Harris are kind of like in the same situation as as the corners, where it's like. They're young, they're moldable, there's a lot of potential there, but we haven't seen it yet. So go out there and show me something. That That's all I'm really looking for for the safeties. Just show me some of that potential because I'm starting to, I'm starting to even have a little doubts. Like everyone should have some doubts about Tracy Walker, but I feel like, like you said, a lot of people are expecting that year four jump. I'm starting to doubt it a little bit. And it's not just because of the preseason game. It, there has been some struggles in camp and I don't know. We, I, We'll see. I, he's playing with a ton more confidence. He's obviously a lot happier than than he was in the past couple of years, but um, that'll only get you so far. I, I need to see some some on field production there, and I'm not sure I'm going to get it. And this is his last chance. This is the last year on his rookie deal. So show me now, or uh, we're 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 going to probably find someone else over there. There you go. I mean, and and I guess it should be it should be noted too that you know Dean Marlowe is primarily like the spell for Tracy Walker. Um, Cause he's playing mm-hmm. primarily that, that free safety, that free safety role uh, as opposed to Will Harris. So yeah, I mean, that would take, yeah, that would take a seismic shift in, in the, in the safety depth for, for there to be any real shakeup there. Uh, kicker watch 2021 rolls on any, any indication of whether or not we're going to split time here. Was Zane Gonzalez just brought in to kick in practice? Do you think, you think we're no. going to see the, the, you know, the yeah, the kicker I, battle heat up a little bit more. I think so. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him split halves here. Um, let's just kind of fingers crossed, hope that the game situation shows us an opportunity beyond 27 yard field goals or whatever <laughs> yeah, it was right? in the preseason game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know we just got done talking on, about the offense and we want them to score touchdowns, but at the same time, like I wouldn't mind them rolling out there for a 54 yard field goal to see if either of these guys can make it. And to be honest, in training camp, they've been pretty good this week in terms of kicking beyond 50 yards. I think, I think Randy missed one yesterday and, and, and Zane had one blocked uh, earlier in the week, but I'm not going to blame him for, for getting a one blocked. It didn't seem like it was necessarily his fault in terms of the trajectory of the football. So yeah, just. Show me something from beyond 40 yards, maybe even one or two from 50. And and yeah, I think I think this is a real kicker battle. So we'll we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. So obviously Jeremy wants to see a touchdown, but with the second and third team offense, we want them to stall out around the 30 yeah. to 35 yard all, line. All field goals. I don't I don't need to see David Blau throw a touchdown. I don't care. Would people lose their minds if Dan Campbell just situationally was like, we got to see these guys take a long kick. So it's kick just QB Neil, QB Neil, QB oh. Neil for like three straight plays. And then it's like, all right, kick the field goal. <laughs> uh, yes, they would lose their mind. Unquite. If they're going to, if they're going to lose their mind about a, a, like not even that, you know, controversial throwing the ball on, on second down thing. Like they're absolutely going to lose their mind about taking a dive for a field goal attempt. Yeah. So, well, he, he 
we, we can go out on this, but situationally, what's the one thing that you want to see the Lions accomplish? Like, mm. what's the one challenge you want to see them in situationally that you see them achieve success with? Because I think for me personally, I want to see them run the ball well on first down, like mm-hmm. with their first team offense. Like, that's yeah. the thing. I want to see them on first down three to four yards. And I think that will continually set up golf for success. So I want to see the running game be effective early in, in drives um, and early in, in downs. So situationally, that's what I want to see. What about you? Well, I don't think I'm going to see what I want in, in this preseason game because I want to see this team run a legitimate two minute or one minute drill and, and the first team offense, because we talk yeah. about what the identity of this team is going to be. And we talk a lot about dinking and dunking, a lot of taking under, a lot of underneath stuff. That doesn't cut it in an end of game situation. You need you need chunk plays. You need to get down the field in a hurry. And I need I need just a sliver of optimism that the lines are, are are capable of potentially doing something like that in a two or one minute drill. Because we all know Matthew Stafford was good at it. We know we all know that when the defense knew he was going to deep, going to go deep, he would still throw it deep and he would still fit into incredible windows. And they also had a kicker who could make it from fifty eight yard or yards if they needed to. They don't have any of that anymore. They don't have a good kicker. They don't have a guy who, who who's unafraid of throwing it into tight windows and capable of fitting in tight windows. So I, I, I need to figure out what the hell they're going to do in that sort of situation for some success. And like I said, I don't think we're going to get it in this game because I don't think they're going to play that deep into it this game. But um, that, that's something that I, I really need to see a good sign for if I'm going to go into 2021 with some optimism that this team can win some close games. Yeah. All right. Hey, and with that being said, that's it for first bite. We got the Lions coming up Saturday, playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, 730. Uh, Keep it tuned in to Pride of Detroit on Twitter, on Facebook. I don't do these outros usually, but uh, I'm doing it right now. For Jeremy Reisman, the actual editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit, and myself, Ryan Matthews, the senior editor, we will see you starside. Right now, businesses are facing tough choices. Do you cut costs or drive growth? Solve for today or build for tomorrow? Do you satisfy your shareholders or satisfy your customers? The answer is yes. You don't have to choose. With the intelligent platform for digital business from ServiceNow, you can say yes to unifying your existing systems and yes to accelerating growth. Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. 
To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. 